If you missed the first episode of this season of Catalyst, go back and listen. If you're caught up, here's where we left off. Austin 911, do you police, fire, or EMS? A car had went off the road, down into the pavement, down into the creek. And I guess the car veered out of control or whatever, and they end up going off the bridge right there at 51st and um, wrecked. It was 30 feet down. Exactly. That's when they told me, you know, my son had died in jail. I really thought it was foul play going on with his death because I'm like, now Texas Rangers are involved? The thing we were looking for initially was a head injury. And I was told that he did have a small seizure. Normally when these things happen, I get called immediately. When your lawyer tried to get information in the case, what happened? He said that they kept giving him the runaround. That's when he called me back and told me he couldn't take the case. How'd you feel when you found out that there was so much difficulty in getting the evidence you needed to take the case further? If you're not wrong and you did everything by the book, then you have nothing to worry about. So why withhold the information? Dash camera video from the Austin police cruiser shows the ambulance carrying Herman Titus rushing from the wreck he'd survived to the hospital downtown. The 21-year-old man and his passenger had plummeted off the highway and down into a creek 30 feet below. As they pull into the parking garage that early morning of May 2017, you can make out Herman pushed in a wheelchair through the emergency room doors before disappearing inside. Where his injuries would be evaluated. Time is zero five zero three. And his blood drawn to see what drugs he'd taken. How's it going, sir? I'm Officer Johnson, Austin Police Department. Um, I have a couple questions for you, but before I ask you any questions, I'm gonna read something for you real quickly. You have the right to remain silent and not make any statement at all, and that any statement you make may be used against you and probably will be used against you at your trial. An officer is trying to speak with him. Did you understand your rights as I read them, sir? You don't want to talk? Herman says he doesn't want to talk. He's on probation at this point after doing time for a burglary conviction. Too much to say. Just came home my last time I got myself in some trouble. I can sit here and I can tell you the truth and, and, and do exactly what I did the first time. But I don't know if that's a good idea because he told me it wasn't a good idea the first time. Who told you it wasn't a good idea? Boy, I read the wait. Okay, that's fine. We'd helped Herman's mother, Demisha Burns, get his medical records. The hospital had released him a few hours after he arrived. His discharge form listed blunt trauma, but no injuries serious enough to require hospitalization. It did recommend returning to the ER for worsening pain, though. Video from the back seat of another police cruiser shows Herman in pain on the way to the Travis County Jail. Ouchie. 
transporting one trash can. He asks the officer about the charges he's facing. How does a DWI case work? Uh, you're actually being charged with intox assault. Intox assault? Yeah. What is that? It's when somebody gets injured by, by driving while intoxicated. I've never even heard of that. So he changed it. Because he told me he was giving me a DWI. Right. Yeah, so you're being charged with DWI, but when a DWI results in an injury to another person, like a serious bodily injury, it gets enhanced to what's called an intoxication assault. An intoxication assault on the woman whose car Herman had been driving. Like they become, they become the victims of... They become the victims of what happened? Right. Because somebody was injured by a result. Man, I don't even know how to fight a case like that. I've never even heard of that shit. Man. Is it, uh, what is that, a class? What class is that? Third degree felony. It don't matter. I'm, I'm out of there, bro. I'm finna, I'm not coming home. There ain't gonna be no coming home for that. That's a whole felony case. Man. It, it was dependent upon her injuries. I guess they were still waiting to find out what her injuries were. Yeah, they, they was. Yeah. I was waiting to find out what, was, what happened. As they pull up to the jail, Herman puts his head down and starts mumbling about having just gotten out of prison and his mother telling him to stay out of trouble. Dude, fucked up, bro. And my mama just told me this shit. Dude, just, just told me. I might as well not even go call nobody. I'm a cop. Just to let her know. Call mom just to let her know, he says. All right, give me a minute, sir. I'll get you on out of there, okay? Before getting out of the car and limping away off screen with the officer. Mm -hmm. All right. He called me from jail to let me know that he was arrested. Um, and he told me what happened over the phone. And I was like, is everybody okay? And he was like, he don't know. He was like, mom, I need you to try to find this girl that I was riding with because I pulled her out the wreck so she wouldn't drown. The Texas Ranger who later investigated the case had the same idea to track down that woman. He found her still in the hospital more than a month later. I'm in the hospital room number 470 at the Seton Medical Center in downtown Austin. He asked about the severity of the wreck and what led up to that night. The way I understand, according to the crash, well, he was driving your vehicle when it went off the bridge on Ed Bluestein. Is that correct? Yes, that sir. you remember? And he that was. I can remember. Thank you. He was subsequently arrested for intoxication assault. The assault would have been on you. And the Austin Police Department believed he was intoxicated, possibly impaired on drugs. I've spoken with everyone that has seen him, with the exception of you. I just wanted to know, what is your relationship to him? I just knew him due to him selling me K2. K2, spice, synthetic weed. He was, he was essentially just a drug dealer to you. Yes, sir. I did not give him permission to drive my car because I was under the influence. I don't even remember how he got to the driver's seat of my car. As a result of the crash, what kind of injuries have you sustained? Well, when I made it to the hospital, I was in a coma. I don't remember nothing about the accident. I've been paralyzed from waist down. And is your prognosis that you're going to walk later or do they not know? 
I'm not for sure, but I have faith in God that I will. Amen. Herman's injuries also persisted. The day after arriving at the jail, one form says he had aching pain and bruising in his rib area and chest wall tenderness. I was just glad he was alive. That was when Demisha first visited her son. What were his injuries like? Um, from what I seen, he had a busted eye vessel. He said his back and his shoulder and his legs was hurting from the impact. What did you think when you first saw him? I told him he needed to go to medical and make sure that that wasn't something real severe. Records show he was prescribed Tylenol codeine and ibuprofen and also ordered to sleep in his cell's lower bunk for three days. But he didn't stay there long. After some back and forth, Travis County gave us Herman's jail file. It showed a week after arriving, he was sent to lockdown. Can't get no mail, no phone calls or nothing. I, all I can do is write him. And when I wrote him and asked him why he was in lockdown, he told me that he was complaining about pain and that he was hurting. Officers said Herman sat down on the floor during unit moves and refused to get back up, that he was disrupting and inciting other inmates. They had him standing in the hallway for a long period of time. He said, well, mama, my body started hurting. I told the officer, I'm sitting down because I'm hurting. And he said the officer came and told him to stand up, get back in line. He kept trying to tell the officer that I'm in a lot of pain. And next thing you know, they had him in lockdown and had him strapped to a chair and he'd be screaming and stuff. Records show Herman was restrained to a chair with handcuffs, leg irons, and a spit mask for being physically resistive and aggressive toward officers. The incident leading up to the restraint was captured on video, but the sheriff's office has refused to release it due to security concerns. I just feel like you're not listening, you know. He said he was in pain. Herman lost his phone and visitation privileges and got 15 days in lockdown, during which records show he was still asking for his pain medication. He got out of lockdown that Saturday and called me and we talked on the phone and laughed and giggled and he was like, Mom, I'm, I'm not a bad person. And I said, I understand that. I mean, people in jail, they have families that loves them. It's just a person that has made some bad choices in life that has to face those consequences. And so, like I told him, we're gonna get through this. Two days after leaving lockdown, Herman died. Any death in custody is, is a tragic event, both for the family members, obviously the decedent and, and all the staff that have to deal with that. Major Wes Pretty was the jail administrator at the time. It's just hard to Monday morning quarterback uh, the actions of folks without knowing, you know, the critical nature of what you're facing at the time. So it's easy to look at the event and say, I wish we had done this differently because uh, obviously you have somebody who has passed in our care and custody. And that's a big deal to us. I asked him about the care Herman had received. Even his records showed he'd complained about pain in jail for weeks. I thought that staff responded appropriately. Nothing should have been done differently in your opinion? Uh, I didn't see anything uh, to do differently, no. It's about them having the proper medical attention, listening to the inmates. Yeah, it's about taking these people's medical situations serious. 
why wasn't it prevented? Like, was this preventable? I want to know that. I want to know it. Could could you have got to him in a good time and had you paid attention to the complaints of pain? Those answers might be in the records Travis County was withholding, specifically the results of a criminal investigation conducted by the Sheriff's Major Crimes Unit. Why does that unit investigate when something like this happens? They investigate because it's an incident that has occurred within our facility, uh, so they respond and make sure that uh, there hasn't been a criminal offense, that the uh, decedent uh, did not pass from some sort of criminal activity. Had it been uh, criminal activity, then certainly our major crime section would have been the ones that would have been investigating who was responsible. They have to do the investigation on that so that we hold somebody criminally accountable for their actions. But to be clear, there was no crime deemed that actually happened. That is correct. That is correct. There was no one arrested or indicted. There were no suspects in Mr. Titus's death. That is correct. We were able to get Herman's medical records, his death report, and internal affairs findings, but not this criminal investigation, even though by that time, it was closed. Travis County cited the dead suspect loophole when it chose to deny us access to that evidence. Sometimes it's not clear what should be released, and we rely on the county attorney's office to help us navigate those waters. When asked to weigh in, the Texas Attorney General agreed. The county could use this exception to the state's Public Information Act to keep whatever was in that investigation secret. I really felt like, you know, like this was it. Like I'm not gonna get anything else. Like I gotta go the rest of my life not knowing what really happened to my kid. And I'm supposed to get over it. I'm supposed to move on. This your kid, it's my son. But Travis County wasn't the only agency that had evidence in Herman's death. The Texas Commission on Jail Standards and the Texas Rangers had the same information and were willing to provide it to us. It's how we have those Ranger recordings you've been hearing. Next time. And now I'm here to talk about the, the death of a young man that occurred here. He goes, my fingertips are numb and I feel like I'm gonna faint. This building called and said he was in a medical emergency. The nurse told me that he was in a vehicle accident before jail. He was upset because he had to wait to be seen by medical. They said he signed a refusal form. I took him back to building 12. After he came back, you know, the next thing you know, my son is like, hey man, this, this guy needs a doctor. He's over there, passed out in the corner. But do you think that they were slow to react? I just thought, why isn't he going to the hospital? 90, one, two, three, four. Do you want me to do the next one? Hold on a minute. Get over here. We have a pulse. Oh, crap. Sure do. CPR, CPR. Get on the chest. Get on the chest. We've created an immersive video feature to walk you through the evidence in this case and a digital project to further explore police transparency problems across Texas online to accompany this podcast season. Just go to deadincustody.com. Catalyst is reported, produced, and edited by me, Josh Hinkle, along with David Barrere. Digital support for this episode comes from Andrew Choate, Stephanie Dockery, Arzo Dost, Rachel Garza, Matt Mitchell, Sarah Rafik, Christine Sanchez, Martin Sanchez, Robert Sims, Kate Winkle, and Corbin Wright. KXAN's news director is Chad Cross, and its vice president and general manager is Eric Glassberg. 